Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, certainly not a surprise to grain and oilseed producers that 2022 was a year of uncertainty. And a senior analyst with FarmLink Marketing Solutions, Neil Townsend, says the Russian invasion of Ukraine was a key market factor in the past year. And in addition, he says restrictions to the flow of grain out of Ukraine will have far-reaching effects on commodity markets. And moving on to the pork market, in spite of exceptionally high feed costs, 2022 was among the top three most profitable years for North American pork producers over the past decade. The Director of Risk Management with Ham's Marketing Services, Tyler Fulton, explains why and what is in the forecast for 2023. After the break, Neil Townsend. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. Neil Townsend is a senior analyst with FarmLink Marketing Solutions. So as we end one year and begin another, I know it's a challenge for uh, analysts like yourself to predict what will be happening with commodity markets. But I guess it's safe to say that the Russian invasion of Ukraine was obviously a key factor in 2022. Well, I mean, I think 2022 was sort of characterized by like a higher level of volatility, higher level of uncertainty, like certain things happened that, you know, probably weren't built into the models or built into expectations coming into 2022. The most notable of that was sort of, uh, you know, the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the, you know, the severity of that war and the length of that war, which continues on to today. Uh, that being said, I think a lot of this sort of unfolded in uh, a higher than, you know, typical price environment. Like if you go back over the 10 or the last 15 years, we were, were in one of our higher, you know, ag commodity price regimes that we've seen. Now, I think the war set an expectation that we'd see a continuation of rising agricultural prices. And almost contrary to that, we've seen very successful uh, Russian uh, production and Russian exports. And we've seen wheat prices sort of, you know, not get back to the levels that they were just in the immediate aftermath of the war. That leaves sort of a tinge of disappointment, but it sort of removes the focus from the fact that overall, we've done pretty good with the prices. Now, that's all uh, occurred in in an environment of uh, inflation, higher interest rates, uh, rising cost of inputs. So there are quite a few concerns when Farmers are sort of penciling out next year about the higher costs. Although looking forward to 2023, I think the first big event that we see is, you know, what is the South American weather going to be? Because the South American weather, you know, if that crop hits, if the South Americans are able to produce, you know, a record by, you know, probably 15 or 20% higher than they've done before of soybeans, that's going to, you know, potentially reset the markets and send things back to sort of, you know, closer to what we'd call the average over the last five or six or seven years, because, you know, that would weigh on prices heavily. Um, But I think when farmers in Western Canada are looking at their return on investment available for the 23 crop that they'll be planting in the spring, um, there's going to be choices that have to be made, but there are price indications that still suggest that profit is possible and that there can be a positive return on investment. As I say, there's some crops that are kind of going to fade a bit because they don't look as good. But, you know, I think right now, canola, wheat, some of the pulses, they're still showing up looking pretty good for next year. Now, 
all farmers are concerned about costs and cost security in terms of how much oil is going to be, diesel is going to be, how much uh, fertilizer is going to be, all those types of things. So it's going to be a balance. But, you know, that's probably more akin to what farming is like over a long period of time than it has been in the last few years where, you know, everything pencils out nicely and all you have to do is hope that the weather cooperates. Right now, there's a little bit more management that's probably needed and choices that you're making on your on your fields. So optimistic or pessimistic for the new year? Well, I'd say I'm realistic about 2023. I expect there to be a continuation of uncertainty and volatility. Uh, one thing I haven't mentioned yet, but it's, you know, all over the news is the situation in China. I mean, they're still dealing with COVID as I guess the world is, but the consequences right now in China are more significant with people getting sick and uh, it's really a drag on their economy. And, you know, that's 1.4 billion people. We need them to be a participant in the world economy, not just for eggs and, and commodities, but for all things. And right now, you know, they are a source of uncertainty and a little bit of a drag on the world economy. Now, the question is like, how will China look six months from now? Will it be sort of, you know, they went through this surge of COVID, they've got it under control. It's it's more akin to how we're dealing with it in, you know, the rest of the world where it exists, but, you know, we don't let it slow us down economically. You know, then the world looks a lot different because China will be more of a buyer, more of a sending out product that might lower our costs for inputs and things like that. But right now, I mean, their economy is just under a lot of duress because of the situation there. Now, some people say, that, you know, that duress is more systematic and not just related to COVID and that it might persist going further. And other people say that, you know, once they deal with COVID in the first couple months of this calendar year, that, you know, they'll start to have a, a better chance of being, you know, the China that, that we know from, you know, pre-pandemic. So as we know, the war in Ukraine is really a central focus, but how significant is uncertainty around the grain flow out of Ukraine to world markets uh, in the coming year? Well, I mean, there's, again, a lot of uncertainty in that area, too. Like uh, over the Christmas season, some of the reinsurers were, you know, denying that they would be involved with, uh, you know, protecting boats or allowing policies on boats that are coming out of the Black Sea. You know, there's been some reports in the last 24 hours that ships have not been entering the export corridor or really like, you know, they're trying to figure out what this all means. Uh, So, you know, if anything that happens that would slow the potential grain flow, you know, will have uh, an impact on the world markets. Right now, it's not consequential enough to kind of like, you know, look, make people uh, look for alternatives. I think the war goes on until, you know, there's a negotiated settlement. I don't think we're at that situation right now where either side wants to concede or, you know, uh, so that means the war continues. I think one of the big issues will be like what's production look like in the Black Sea region in 2023. Uh, Last year, the Russians had a very, very large crop. I mean, there's some debate about just how big, but it could have been over 100 million tons of wheat. And they're exporting like they have 100 million tons of wheat. You know, they're exporting quite aggressively. It doesn't look like they're going to get the same crop next year, but we don't know. It's it's very unseasonably warm right now in parts of uh, Russia and Ukraine and Europe in general. So I, I think the crop matters. I think Ukraine's crop will be down from where it was this year. I mean, they won't. The war is just having an impact on getting materials where it needs to be. And uh, the interior prices in Ukraine are have been damaged by the war. So, you know, while they're exporting this year, I think, 
you know, we shouldn't expect them to have as much of a surplus next year. And again, we don't know what the condition will be of their infrastructure, you know, this time next year. Will the Russians continue to bomb it and continue to deteriorate it? Or will, will the war be over and, you know, it'll be a big repair job going on? I, I don't know. But I think in the meantime, at least in the next six months, we shouldn't expect a quick resolution in the war. And what are you expecting as far as prices? Farmers certainly are worried about interest rates and increasing costs, but it's much easier to tolerate all of those things when prices uh, continue to be high. Well, I mean, I, I think that the big catalyst for prices is going to be South American weather conditions. And if those South American weather conditions, like right now, I think generally the world consensus is that Brazil's okay and, and on track to have a record in production and Argentina is too dry and, and that's deteriorating their, their crop. Now, some of the Paraguay is, happens to be in the wet area, so they look good and, you know, they're not going to be dragged down like Argentina is. So overall, I think South America is going to finish up with a, a record soybean production and a very large corn production. And, you know, if China is not as aggressively buying because of their dealing with COVID and all that, we're going to, people are going to start to perceive a, a greater surplus, which is going to weigh on prices. So, there is going to be a little bit of reversion to mean. And then the next question mark is, you know, what does Northern Hemisphere crops look like? And I would say that, you know, you can't make too many judgments on January 4th, but the current map for Canada and the U.S. doesn't look that great. It looks like a lot of regions have some form of drought. So if there are drought worries, I'm not saying that a drought necessarily materializes and damages crop, but right now, we're getting close to where people could be concerned, that could also stabilize and keep prices higher than they otherwise would be. But if we have a successful crop, meaning like, you know, average weather and trend yield in North America, then I would expect prices to be down 5, 10, 15%. Thanks a lot, Neil. Neil Townsend is a senior market analyst with FarmLink Marketing Solutions. After the break, Tyler Fulton with Ham's Marketing Services talks about the pork market. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Tyler Fulton is the Director of Risk Management with Ham's Marketing Services. Now, Tyler, we know the pork industry certainly has suffered through some tough times, but 2022 was a little different story. Why was that? Yeah, I think uh, unequivocally we could characterize 2022 as, as being just a, a good year all around. You know, there was some risks associated with with the uh, feed prices in, in particular, but uh, overall, I think profitability-wise, um, it would be among uh, among the top three in the last decade for sure. Which uh, you know, which obviously is is what we'd like to see <laughs> consistently. You know, as far as the features go, I think the biggest thing probably was the constrained supply as a result of uh, some of the health challenges in the U.S. herd. But nothing, you know, nothing. Um, you know, changing you know changing the the dynamics of the market so significantly that uh, that we didn't see normal seasonal trends. They were just seasonal trends at, at higher levels, uh, which was really good to see. So, just outline for us uh, what were some of the main issues that came together to influence the markets in 2022. Yeah, as as I mentioned, I think the biggest the biggest factor was the. Uh, you know, was the supply-related health challenges of the U.S. herd that that kind of kept us at that higher level. 
you know, probably important to note was a bit of a shift in our export flows. Uh, we saw a significant reduction in, in the flows to China uh, as compared to the year previous. But on the flip side, um, Mexico really stepped up and, and started repurchase, you know, purchasing more product to, to make off, uh, make up for some of those, those deficits, uh, going to, to China and, and Asia at large. So, uh, you know, overall, I think it was, it was, uh, a fairly kind of typical, if one could say that typical marketing year, but at elevated prices. What uh, would you say would be on your radar as we move into 2023? Well, I think square one here, um, starting into, you know, the first marketing week of 2023. I think it's important to note that, you know, that we're at a record high level. Um, We've never started hog prices this high in a calendar year. So that bodes well. Um, Really, when you're thinking about uh, hog markets, it's, it, you you could always kind of use the adage cash is king and so the the cash market is really the base uh, by which we move through the you know the seasonal trends over over the course of the year what i what i would say about you know what's you know what we're going to see in 2023 is is that things appear to be you know shaping up to be a fairly typical trending year but it's you know it's one of those things that uh, if we start to see, you know, some pretty significant disruptions in, um, in on the demand side or for that matter on the supply, which is almost impossible to forecast, that's when producers risk management plans really, really pay for themselves uh, in securing some of those good cash flows that are projected today. And your expectations for production and uh, and pork supply this year? Yeah, so the the latest hogs and pigs report showed actually a I think a, a little bit of a reduction in market hog supplies in the early you know in the in the first three to four months of this year. I think it was a little bit of a surprise um, to analysts, and so the response just last week was was a, a fairly positive price response um, with, you know, with some of the nearby contracts um, gaining three to four dollars U.S. a hundredweight. That said, we, you know, there is, you know, I think a moderating possibility by the time we get through the summer months and into the the latter half of the year. There is a chance uh, that we could see, start to see finally a recovery in in U.S. hog um, numbers largely coming from the breeding herd number that was, you know, it was probably a little bit larger than expected. And if we start to see some improvements in productivity of those breeding sows by virtue of really better, better health and, 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 uh, and better control of disease, then I, I think it's possible we could be looking at, um, at larger, at a larger hog supply and uh, by the fourth quarter of next year. And, and maybe with that, some more, a little bit more price pressure. Overall, though, I, I think we're shaping up to to be a pretty good year uh, in hog production, and and that producers, you know, should look at pricing some of their production over, you know, as we as we uh, kind of continue to put in new highs on a lot of the summer months 
spring and summer month contracts. And what about domestic and global pork consumption? Well, definitely fairly consistently from year to year, we see influences from other meats um, that, you know, that could could make a, a difference in, on, in pork consumption. That's not going to, you know, I, I think we, you know, this year could could be a bigger year of influence uh, from that standpoint um, by virtue of the fact that we're, we're expecting pretty significant reductions in beef supplies uh, in North America. And that comes related to the widespread drought that we've seen across North America, well, that we saw largely across the United States for the last couple of years. So that's one aspect of it. Also changing export flows. Um, currency levels are, in, you know, are likely to be quite volatile by virtue of, in, of the interest rate environment that we find ourselves in. When you've got a situation of high inflation, what you typically see is a little bit more volatility in interest rates. And when there's differences between those interest rates from country to country, currency levels can, can really fluctuate hugely. So that's a risk and a, I guess a concern that, that hog producers have to keep in their mind um, as, they're, you know, as they're marketing this year's crop. Tyler, can you offer some recommendations as to what hog producers should be watching for in 2023? Well, definitely fairly consistently from year to year, we see influences from other meats um, that, you know, that could, could make a, a difference in, in pork consumption. That's not going to, you know, I, I think we, you know, this year could could be a bigger year of influence uh, from that standpoint um, by virtue of the fact that we're, we're expecting pretty significant reductions in beef supplies uh, in North America. And that comes related to the widespread drought that we've seen across North America, well, that we saw largely across the United States for the last couple of years. So that's one aspect of it. Also changing export flows. Um, currency levels are, in, you know, are likely to be quite volatile by virtue of, in, of the interest rate environment that we find ourselves in. When you've got a situation of high inflation, what you typically see is a little bit more volatility in interest rates. And when there's differences between those interest rates from country to country, currency levels can, can really fluctuate hugely. So that's a risk and, a, I guess, a concern that, that hog producers have to keep in their mind um, as, they're, you know, as they're marketing this year's crop. Tyler Fulton is the Director of Risk Management with HAMS Marketing Services. Here are some of the top agriculture stories from the week of January 2nd, 2023. CP Rail said it is gradually increasing the amount of grain moved with its 8,500-foot high-efficiency product trains, which were introduced in 2018. Jared Farmer with CP's Grain Sales Department says the so-called HEP trains are used at elevators that can load the cars in 16 hours or less and are being shipped to a facility with that same capacity. 2023 could be a good year for cattle producers. That is, if there are no major issues with hay production or pastures. Cattle market analyst Ann Wasco said there has been a significant sell-off of the North American cow herd and that will translate into smaller supplies.
A National Farm Leadership Program is accepting applications. The National Farm Program teaches how to perform at your best when it matters most. It includes online learning from January 23rd to March 3rd, a three-day residency on Vancouver Island in March, a personal leadership assessment, and a one-on-one review and monthly group and individual coaching. Tube crop commissions have decided on a new governance strategy. Saskinola and Sask Flax say the new collaboration will mean efficiencies for both crop commissions by providing a full staff complement to support both boards. But canola and flax levies will continue to be collected separately. And in addition, Saskinola and Sask Flax will maintain individual boards of directors. Researchers from the University of Saskatchewan have used the Canadian light source to study a common agricultural byproduct to treat wastewater contaminated with antibiotics and other pharmaceutical chemicals. The study found flagships that have been treated with heat and steam absorb the medication carbamazepine from wastewater. Flax shives are the material left after fiber is extracted from flax stems. Researcher Catherine New said there are many agricultural byproducts generated that are not effectively used, and she is hoping that by creating absorbents that are inexpensive and easily accessible, they can attract the attention of businesses looking for more efficient ways to treat wastewater. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarland for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss, with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarland, and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.